The podcast you're about to listen to may contain random lines from musical theater, terrible attempts at regional accents, and a sincere discussion about mental health. You have been warned. Are you ready to start singing with your feet? Formidable! Allez, c'est parti! Juste dans la joie Une joie profonde Nos cœurs, elle inonde Cette joie, elle vient du ciel Non, nous ne sommes pas fous Welcome to Sing With Your Feet The podcast in which we look at how we channel our curiosity about the world And plan for a time when we can get lost down a rabbit hole The podcast in which what is irritating us becomes a springboard for meaningful action. The podcast in which we see that how we care for ourselves is going to impact how we feel about our lives. And we give ourselves an action plan to take better care of ourselves. My name is Lily Fields, and I'm going to be your fairy godmother for the next half hour or so. This episode is part three of a four-week series about the ideal life exercise. We've talked in the last two episodes about the first two questions that make up the exercise. Number one, what is working? And number two, what isn't working? This week's question is deceptively simple. What do I need to think about? This is when we start developing an action plan. Even if that action plan ends up being just one tiny little thing that we'll do, which is what we'll talk about next week. But we start by taking a few minutes to think. Now, I don't want to insult your intelligence, Cinderella. I know you know how to think. You're a problem solver extraordinaire. You prioritize like a boss girl. You keep your life in ship shape. But let's have this conversation anyway. The worst thing that can happen is that you will realize just how much of a boss you are. The best thing that can happen is that maybe you will come away with some tools for self-reflection that will help you channel your efforts into helpful action plans. Not too long ago, I was reading a book which cited a filmmaker whose specialty is filming sharks for nature documentaries, and of course, gained prominence through the cultural phenomenon that is Shark Week. What do sharks have to do with anything, Lilifields? Well, now that's a fantastic question, and it's the same one I asked myself while I was reading a book ostensibly about the psychological origins of unwanted sexual behaviors in adults, which sounds like loads of fun, doesn't it? How exactly does this filmmaker manage to get such intimate footage of sharks without any protection, or cages, or without getting eaten, or at the very least, attacked? The answer was fascinating. According to the filmmaker, sharks attack prey obviously, but how does it know that something is prey? I mean, we all know about the blood in the water thing, but a shark recognizes prey because prey will swim away from the shark as fast as it can. The natural instinct of prey is to flee from a predator. It's about self-preservation. This flight reaction awakens the predator instinct in the shark. So with nerves of steel, this filmmaker takes his camera and he swims towards the shark. And the shark, who doesn't have any experience with something swimming towards it, he doesn't attack, but he lets himself be approached. The predatory instinct is disarmed by curiosity. What is this thing that's not prey? That's how the filmmaker manages to get this fascinating, close-up, never-before-seen footage of a shark. 
This week's episode is going to help us do just that with what's going on in our lives that trips us up, that chases us down. Whether the shark we have previously been trying to flee is a habit of time-wasting down internet rabbit holes, or irritations both major and minor that really make us feel nuts, or simply a sense of boredom with our lives. With our theme this week, we are setting aside a few minutes each day to swim towards the shark to gain some understanding about our lives. Part one, isn't that interesting? The first two questions, what is working and what isn't working, help us to take a step back and be an impartial observer of our lives. I'm not saying that there isn't any emotion in the process, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, having a Kleenex box handy is useful during these few minutes that you spend on your ideal life exercise, because lucidity, sometimes comes at the cost of a few tears. But this third question, what do I need to think about, is a wide open discussion question. I think I may have told you this before, but instead of using a paper notebook for my ideal life exercise, I actually use a journaling app on my tablet. It's not intended for how I use it, but I was able to create a template with the four questions and I can create entries in advance. This is a useful piece of information for what I'm about to say next. I am exactly like you. I get lost on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, just like you do. I have on more than one occasion gotten to what I can only hope is the very farthest end of the internet. But by the time I realize how lost I am, that shark is already devouring me. I have wasted a perfectly good 30 minutes looking at orange evening gowns on Pinterest or reading inspirational relationship quotes on Instagram. I've gotten much, much better at avoiding this time-wasting trap, and here's how. The minute I find something interesting, but I sense that it's gonna send me down a rabbit hole, I ask myself which theme of my ideal life this little snippet of information addresses. One time, it was an article about how the different phases of our monthly cycles impact our efficiency at work. Or one time, it was a rabbit hole about gravitas and what the elements of it are. Just don't ask me how orange evening gowns fit into this. They just, they just do. Another time, it was an Instagram post about free-range parenting or about self-care. I know perfectly well that I don't have the time to read the whole article or to think about it right then. And if I took the time, then I would be mad at myself for not getting the stuff done that I really need to get done. But I know that I have one day every three weeks in which I have set aside 10 minutes to actually think about this. So either I screenshot the piece of information or the post, or I copy a link to the article, and from there, I go to my journaling app, I paste the information to the entry for the ideal life theme on the next day it's going to come up. It requires some self discipline, but everything that is worthwhile does. Let me admit something to you. There is nothing quite like the sense of satisfaction that I get when I can tell myself, yes, Lily, this is very interesting, but right now is not the time. It's a little bit like, well, it's kind of like parenting myself, or maybe I'm being my own fairy godmother. When I can do that and then set myself up with a time that I will be allowed to get lost on the subject, I am so proud of myself. I can give myself a little head pat and then get on with my day. 
We've said this before, but our time is our most precious resource. We don't get a minute back once we've wasted it. So actively redirecting in the moment how we use our time means that we're investing our resources wisely. No one else can use our time up for us. It is up to us how we organize it. We are adults now. Our time is our responsibility. By setting aside those few minutes to do your ideal life exercise in the morning, you are making good use of your time. It's a date you set with yourself to catch up on some thoughts you've been having or to actually follow an idea down an internet rabbit hole. By channeling your energies into this time, in the relatively near future, in my case, in the next three weeks, I'm avoiding wasting my time now with the promise of allowing myself the pleasure of hunting down these thoughts in the future. Nowadays, we have access to so much information. Granted, and I think I've already told you this, but as a child, I used to sit in our basement with our shelves of the Encyclopedia Britannica and thumb through it, getting lost as I read about weird and wonderful oddities in the world. I did the same thing when I was gifted my first encyclopedic dictionary in French. I know I'm weird. I tell you this not because I like to admit that I'm a freak, but because I want you to know that this getting lost down the rabbit hole is something that I've been fighting for a very, very long time. When the internet arrived when I was in college, and that very dangerous thing that is a hypertext link, or as I call it, the portal to the end of the universe, well, there was no end to my capacity to be curious and waste every waking minute. Then came social media, and I thank my lucky stars that I did not have a smartphone until literally this January. My self-control issues when it comes down to the pursuit of information would have been a death knell if I hadn't started telling myself what to do. It wasn't until I started scheduling time to pursue my geekery with my ideal life exercise, and specifically this third question, that I have gotten a handle on my time-wasting habits. Now, when I find something that inspires even a tiny bit of curiosity, I say to myself, and sometimes even out loud, Wow, now, isn't that interesting? Let's schedule some time to think about this. There is a caveat to this rule, and it's one that it's hard to gauge as you start to tumble down the rabbit hole, but I call it the 30-second Google exception. I mean, I am the person at the grocery store who's Googling random facts about Elvis because Suspicious Minds is playing on the radio, and I am the person who looks up the lyrics to 90s rock songs because suddenly when I think about them, they don't make sense anymore. Case in point, the song Two Princes by the Spin Doctors do not get me started. But my rule on this is firm. If it will take less than 30 seconds to scratch the itch, then I can do it but then it has to be done. Put the phone away, internet, browser, closed. All of this to say, when I sit down to work on my ideal life exercise for any given theme in the morning, I will sometimes already have a few things to think about because I've scheduled them ahead of time. I'll be honest, quite often, by the time I get to actually open up that link or go to the screenshot, I'm not even terribly interested in it anymore. I mean, orange evening gowns, come on. But I'm glad that I scheduled the time and I'm glad I didn't waste my time on it when I first found it. It also happens, though, that I'm really, really glad I set some time aside to think about this topic, rather than just quickly trying to get the basic idea while standing outside the bathroom at the conservatory waiting for my boys to finish up washing their hands before class. Setting aside this time to really look deeply into something that might inform how I pursue my ideal life gives me a sense of progress. And it means... I'm taking myself 
and my interests seriously. That is always something to celebrate. Part two, what's pissing me off? A second consideration, if I don't have any previously scheduled thinking to do, is to ask myself the question, what is pissing me off right now? This may or may not be related to question two of our ideal life exercise, which is anyone? Anyone? That's right, what isn't working? No, this question relates back to earlier this year when we talked about the little rocks in our shoes, those little things that are bothering us that we simply never bother to take the time to address. I believe that I have often taken the example of not being able to find my keys or losing my glasses, which are surprisingly difficult to find when they are not on my face. This is a tiny little rock in my shoe that relates to several areas in my ideal life my mental health because there is nothing that makes me feel crazier than not being able to find my keys. It relates to my stuff, or as I like to call it, contentment, or the theme of keeping a clean house, or the theme of habits and routines. When I ask myself, what do I need to think about, and can ask myself honestly, what's pissing me off, then I can start finding ways to address it. Depending on the theme I'm looking at on any given day, I can look at what is pissing me off through that lens. For example, I'm irritated right now because for two days in a row, I have managed to misplace my glasses, leaving them in completely random places. Keeping in mind, in my ideal life, I am a person who has a designated home for important items and can find everything she is looking for. Let's imagine that today, my theme is habits and routines. So I can ask myself, is there a habit or routine that will help me stop putting my glasses in random places where I won't find them? Yes. Believe it or not, I have considered getting a glasses chain, but I guess I'm holding out for a few more years on this one. I just can't. I just, ugh, I just can't. Or what if my theme was body positivity and health? I can ask myself, why is it that I need to keep taking my glasses off? Is it because I can't see well enough with them and maybe I need to schedule a visit with the eye doctor? Or what if my theme is contentment, aka my stuff? I can ask myself, Why do you have a second pair of glasses if you literally don't know where you put them, my dear? And then maybe figure out where that rescue pair is currently residing. You see, these are little annoyances we might never take the time to actually address if we don't schedule the time with ourselves to think about it. It's not enough to just get mad or annoyed. I have always believed in channeling irritation into action, being part of the solution, is a way to help the cycle of anger complete itself. If it's not something that I'm willing to do something about, then it isn't something that's worth getting pissed off about. So this question about what is the rock in my shoe right this instant is one that will often lead us to the fourth question, which is, spoiler alert, what one small thing can I do today to get me closer to my ideal life? When you look at what is irritating you as an opportunity to take one small action to get closer to being the person you want to be in your ideal life, you are already making progress. But you have to start by taking apart what is making you feel like you're going to pull your hair out and examining it for what in it is something that is within your power to impact. The things that irritate you can be a springboard to meaningful progress. Elle me fait bondir et vibrer, crier. Elle me donne envie de chanter, danser. Elle pousse à agir.
donné, partagé Et tout simplement de sourire Part 3. Am I taking care of myself? So let's imagine that you've already answered the first two questions, and as we evoked last week, that nothing in particular is working, but nothing in particular isn't working either. This happens. It so happens also that you haven't already put something on your schedule to think about this topic, and you don't have any particular rock in your shoe either. This isn't necessarily anything to be worried about. Sometimes, Things are just chugging along without need for our intervention. On the other hand, if it happens twice in a row, it's worth looking a little closer. We said last week that emotional numbness can be an early mental health warning sign. I'm not a mental health professional, but I have experienced depression, postpartum depression. Long-term emotional numbness is not normal, and it gets in the way of living any kind of life, ideal or not. When nothing is working, but nothing isn't working, and nothing is irritating me, but nothing is interesting to me either, and this happens, I always ask, am I taking care of myself? Am I getting enough sleep? Often the answer is no. Am I drinking enough water? Also, often a no. Am I eating healthy? Ha, usually not. Am I getting enough exercise? Are my monthly cycles regular? These baseline questions, if answered honestly, can also give us some insight to what's going on. I don't know about you, but when I don't get enough sleep, or if I'm just not sleeping well, I become someone I do not like to be around. My family gets the brunt of this because I will have a short fuse and often without cause. I just a snap at them. Obviously, this impacts my marriage and the parenting circles of my ideal life also. Also, my mental health. And it leaves me with zero gravitas. Not getting enough sleep leaves me unable to face my commitments with joy. And it makes my work less efficient. Getting enough sleep is the numero uno critical element to living the ideal life. We cannot live our ideal life when we are exhausted. It just can't happen. So if you're feeling numb and uninspired, I want you to take a very careful look at your sleeping habits. So there's that second basic need, hydration. You know, years and years ago, I worked at Walt Disney World in Florida. I led a tour at Epcot called the Undiscovered Future World Tour. It was the ultimate Disney geekery tour, and I took guests around Epcot, and we talked about Walt's vision for Utopia, or as he called it, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. The people who took this tour were nothing but the geekiest of the geeks, the Disney dorks, the people who lived and breathed Disney trivia. These were my people. We met before 7 o'clock a.m. so that they could experience Epcot the way Walt imagined it, the futuristic vision of what the 2000s would look like back when he was imagining it in the 1970s. If you have been to Florida, you know what it's like. It's hot. And it doesn't wait for noon to get hot. It is hot as early as 7 o'clock a.m. So here we were, traipsing miles around the park, going into absolute minute detail about every single material, every angle, every thought that went into the place. And we were talking and geeking each other out. 
and it was an absolute adrenaline rush. By the time we said goodbye, it was noon, and I would manage just barely to get home before the crash would happen, whereupon I would pass out literally on the couch for the rest of the day, and I would wake up with a pounding headache. This happened every single time I gave the Undiscovered Future World Tour. I vaguely remember my husband saying, well, if that tour makes you feel this way, you should stop doing it. But I loved giving that tour. One time, we were at a fair at Lake Eola in downtown Orlando, and my husband was given a bottle of Gatorade as a freebie. He didn't drink it, but he threw it into my bag one day as I was leaving for work. I found it on my way home, and I drank it in the car. And that day, I didn't pass out. As a matter of fact, I felt amazing. It was one of the most intense, duh, moments of my entire life. I was passing out because I was dehydrated. I know just how dumb I am making myself sound, but listen, I grew up in Northeastern Ohio. I had no concept of what the heat could do to my body. So this was literally the first time in my life that I had experienced dehydration. Since then, I have been very, very serious about making sure that I'm drinking enough water. It seems like such a small thing, but in the heat of the action, I didn't realize what was happening. And the adrenaline and the excitement can trick us into thinking that we're doing just fine, when in fact, we are not just fine. Staying hydrated, as simple as this sounds, sometimes requires an action plan. Whether it's a little timer reminding you to take a drink every hour, or having strategically placed bottles, or whatever works for you. Please don't wait until you feel thirsty. We can't live our ideal life when we're thirsty. Enough said. Eating healthy, eating balanced meals can play in a big important role in how you feel about yourself. Nutrition, we know, is critical to helping children grow. It isn't less important to our health as we get older. When I can point to my bad eating habits as one of the reasons why things aren't going as well as I would like, I can start looking to build habits of meal planning or getting creative about eating better. Also, as you know, I am a binge eater, and this can be triggered by, among other things, boredom. Emotional numbness and boredom are cut out of the same cloth, and one can impact the other. Being attentive to when the answer to the question, what is working and what isn't working, are both, well, nothing, I will nearly always be able to trace a direct line to a binging episode. This is all very idiosyncratic. This might not speak to you at all. And it might not be binging food for you, it might be something else. But being able to recognize how these elements fit together, for me, in my life, has brought me a sense of agency. I can recognize that the urge to binge is about a need to have control over something. In that moment, I need to control something. And what I feel I can control is what I put into my mouth. This doesn't always stop me, but it gives me greater compassion for myself when I fail. And I sometimes able to take a less judgy, harshy kind of tone of voice with myself. Having a little perspective helps me talk to myself the way I might talk to a friend who's going through a hard time, rather than attacking myself for my inability to squash my impulses to overeat. 
Now, we've all heard how exercise is supposed to be a mood elevator. I saw a really funny tweet the other day on one of my rabbit hole runs that said, I regret to inform you that regular exercise has, in fact, improved my mood. It's hard to schedule. It's hard to prioritize ourselves for this. But love it or hate it, it can really impact our outlook. It's such a simple thing, and it's worth trying. I'm going to take my indulgent husband as an example for this, because for him, getting out to run early in the morning really does make him feel alive. When he starts to get overwhelmed with life and papers to grade and our scalawags, the first thing he drops from his daily routine is his morning run. And it is the first thing he will complain about lacking. It helps ground him, and I can always tell he's having trouble keeping his workload and his family load balanced when he starts missing his morning run. When he does get back into the habit, he is almost instantly more balanced and happier. For him, it's a magical 45 minutes in the morning that means everything. Without dwelling on it too, too long, because it's something we have talked about before, our monthly cycles are unique to each of us, but there are, within our unique cycles, patterns to be found. Digging in and tracking our cycles can help us to examine when we're feeling a little bit numb or disinterested and see if maybe it isn't related to a moment in our monthly cycle when we're simply less motivated. This happens too, and it isn't something to get up in arms about. If anything, it's something to receive with open arms. Knowing our own bodies and our own monthly cycles can provide insight into a lack of motivation. It's definitely worth keeping an eye on. For this reason and for the myriad other reasons I have gone on and on and on about, about tracking our monthly cycles in these last few months. Self-reflection isn't something we were taught to do at school. It's something most of us never take the time to do because, well, life gets in the way. But setting aside a few minutes each day to be curious about ourselves and our thoughts and our motivations and actually taking time to think, scheduling time to think, is going to have an impact on how we feel about ourselves. These few minutes each day, when we become the object of our own study, is when we get to know ourselves better. And knowing ourselves is the first step to falling in love with ourselves. And as you know, we can't live out the golden rule if we don't love ourselves first. Every Sunday on social media, I share some homework with my listeners, but I realize that not all my listeners are on social media. So I want to share your homework assignment with you this week. Number one. What are the rabbit holes that zap your energy and your attention? Is it Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest? Imagine what it would look like to become more disciplined with your media use. Number two, think about a time when you successfully found a solution to a problem that was driving you nuts. Did it require an investment of time or money? Allow yourself to imagine investing in solutions to the little things that are irritating you right now. How would your life be better if those irritations were gone? And number three, honest question. Are you taking care of yourself? What small tweak could you make? Maybe set a bedtime or drink more water, eat more vegetables, get outside more often. What small thing could you do 
to take better care of yourself and make your life better. Hey, Cinderella, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcatcher. And if you found something here useful, please share it with somebody you think could use a fairy godmother too. I want to give a great big thank you to Seven Productions here in Mulhouse, France for the use of the song La Joie as the intro and outro to the show. Also, a great big thank you to Matt Kugler who sang it and Claude Ekwe who wrote it. Remember, Matt Kugler just came out with his first solo album. It's called Aventura. You can search for Matt K on all of the streaming platforms. This is your fairy godmother signing off. Just remember, it's never too late to start singing with your feet.